welcome back to the Potentially Podcast. Today we have JD Gargano on as a guest to give you guys a little bit more insight into design and marketing. He is an award-winning designer and brand strategist, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear from him. So welcome to the show, JD. Good afternoon, ladies. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. We can't wait to hear more about kind of your background, where you started, where you're at right now. And as a new podcast, we're really excited to hear some of your brand strategy tips because I think that's something that we could all kind of get better at. Sure. Yeah. Um, Where would you like me to start? I mean, I don't know. I think... I know that you said that um, in your email, you said that you kind of started off in a completely different industry, right? Uh, Yes. And it changed so many times uh, throughout life. It, you know, people, sometimes there are people who have a dream or a goal. They know what they want to be, right? Some people are just like, I know what I want to be my entire life. This is what I'm set on doing. And there are some people who will actually do that. There are some people who know from a little kid that they want to be, uh, you know, a pilot, for example, and they go through life working towards that goal and they become a pilot. But then there are other people who may have a goal like that and it changes so many times and you were so far from what you originally thought you were going to do. And that evolved for me, at least, so many times. I grew up knowing I was going to be a police officer. I like you asked me from from the time I was a kid till uh, I definitely at least after high school, a couple of years after high school, I was going to be a cop. No questions about it. That's what I wanted to do. In fact, I even took the police test um, in, in three different counties uh, in New York. I was born and raised in Long Island. Um, so I took the, the New York City, Nassau County and Suffolk County test, all of which um, I passed and could have processed for. Um, the New York City Police Department called me back first. And the problem was you needed 60 college credits. I didn't have I didn't have 60 college credits at the time. I was still in college. And I I I I want to say that's probably one of the moments in my life where divine intervention stepped in and right. just said that's this is not what you're supposed to do. So I finished out my college credits. I kept, you know, sticking with uh with the with the course that I was on, which at the time was psychology. I, I had it all planned out. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I was going to be a police officer. I was going to school for psychology. I was going to do criminal psychology at John Jay. This was all in my head. This was right. This is how it was. Um, and then that just d- d- disappeared. While I, and 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 it disappeared for for a couple of reasons. One, because I didn't have the college credits to continue on. Uh, I was close. I was almost, you know, almost there, but I just didn't have them to continue. And then while I was in college, a lot of things changed. And one of those things, <laughs> oddly enough, was I started a band. And then that's awesome. It it was a lot of fun. I'm I'm not. It, yeah. it, it was um it was not something that I ever thought that I was was going to do. This this it just it happened by accident. And right. because of that, because I was in a band. We needed things like merchandise. We needed things like album covers. We needed things like a website. And I started to, I was like, okay, I, I, I was always um, artistic. From, from the time I was a little kid, I always drew. I always had a pen and a pencil or a pad in my hand. And I was always doodling, drawing, making pictures. Um, we used to sell them. You know, we used to draw like Ninja Turtles back in the day. And it's like 25 cents, <laughs> you sell them to your kids, you know, to, to the kids in your class. 
Uh, so you, I, you had that entrepreneurial spirit from the very beginning. The very beginning. I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew was if I drew a couple of pictures a day, I could get like like a rocket ice pop or something like that. That's that's all I really knew. <laughs> um, uh, so that's 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 what I was doing. And so I said, okay, you know what? I'll do that because uh, I had the artistic background. And I started making shirts and I started making stickers and we started, uh, I started working on our album covers and then I moved to the website and I went, Oh wow, this is really fun. Like I had a lot of fun learning how to code. And this was like, this was, this was in the early two thousands where there wasn't things like Squarespace and there wasn't things like, um, like Wix or, you know, these, these, these website builders, you had to do it yourself. You had to code yourself. You had to learn how to write HTML. It was not a user-friendly environment back not, then. You had to learn everything. Yes. And it's not like the internet was booming where you could just hop on YouTube and look for tutorials. It was none of that. It was literally learning. You, you would go to like Barnes & Noble. Or I don't even know if Barnes & Noble's around. Borders Books. You went to Borders yeah. Books and you got a big, thick book. And you learned <laughs> how to do this yourself. It was like on-the-job training here. Um, but there was one place. This was in 2004 or five. There was one company, it's not even around anymore. It was called CompUSA. It was kind of like the Best Buy of today, um, the Staples, but it was like, you know, mainly for computers. And they were, they were offering courses on like web design and, and computer courses. So I saw that and it was like 500 bucks. And I went, 500 bucks? I was like, I don't have $500. <laughs> All the while right. I was like, while this was going on, I was working in pharmacy. So you have to remember that. I was, I was a musician playing in a band, working in pharmaceuticals who always dreamed about being a cop, but was now looking to potentially be a designer. You were all over the place. You're like a jack of all trades. Don't, I don't even know. It was like, it, it was like career ADD. It was terrible. Yeah. So I said $500 for this course. I was like, no, I'm not paying $500 for this course. So I started looking at schools <laughs> that offered like, <laughs> like web design. And I was like, I'm going to go to school for web design. Forget this $500 course because I knew I could get a student loan and not pay that sucker back until after I graduated. <laughs> right, right. You got to plan that out. I should have just paid the $500. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like looking back on it now, you're like, hmm, was that worth it? Maybe I should have Maybe I should have just done that. When I got my Sally Mae bill in the end, yeah. I was like, damn, what did I do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so here's the kicker. There's many kickers. Buckle up. There's many kickers. Here's the kicker on this particular story. So I went down to this local college on Long Island, and it was an art design school, who, by the way, is no longer in existence. So I went to this art design school. And I walked in and I said, I noticed in your syllabus, you have web design courses. Yeah, yeah, we got web design courses. Come on in, come sit down. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll go over some courses and, and give you some options. Cool, great, no problem. Do you know when you go and buy a car and you go to like the salesman and they're like, come on over, take a look at these cars we got here for you. Yeah. <laughs> and when you, when you, you, so I went into this meeting with one purpose, to find a web design course. I walked out of that building that day with two years of colleges already mapped out, my associate's degree already mapped out, not a single web design course, <laughs> not one. They got you, they pulled you in. I was hoodwinked, but I did leave that school after two years with my associates in arts. 
Uh, I learned all of the stuff that I needed to learn for graphic design that, you know, Photoshop and Illustrator and, you know, painting and all this other basic stuff. And then that was like, all right, now, now my direction was set. I thought, I thought my direction was set. Right. Um, so this little small college that I went to was, was only a two year, uh, two year school. One of my professors, I'll never forget him. His name is John Mangle. I can't find him. So if he's listening, I would, oh. I've been trying to find you for like 10 years. Uh, his name is John Mangle. He was an incredibly smart, a really good designer, a really good designer. And through that, the two years that I was at this school, I had him probably for maybe six classes. I had him for quite a bit. And he said yeah. to me, he said to me, he goes, what are you doing after you leave here? And I said, I don't know. And he said, I really think you should continue your education. Um, and I really think you need to go to the School of Visual Arts. Now, I never heard of the School of Visual Arts before. So I started looking into it. He went to the School of Visual Arts. He graduated from there. And as I started looking at it, and I started looking at who went to the school and, and, and the history of the school, I said, there's no way I'm going to get into this school. There's no way. You had some of the most prestigious designers, not only that graduated from there, but the school by model is taught by working professionals. Oh, okay. So you've got like Milton Glaser, who designed the iconic I Heart New York logo, is teaching, oh. teaching classes there. Um, this school had had a rich, it was like 50 plus years. I, I think it was founded in like 1948. And it's like the who's who of designers went to this school. And I said, John, there's no way I'm getting into the school. I've got two years of design school under my belt at this school. He goes, trust me, put together your essay, put together your portfolio and apply. So I did. And I got accepted. They didn't take all of my credits. No surprise there. I had to give an extra year. I didn't have to start from the beginning, but instead of, instead of going into my, what is it, sophomore, instead of going into my junior year, I had to go back into my sophomore right. year. And so I did my three years there and I was doing more graphic design work. And I, I started getting interested in motion graphics and I learned motion graphic design. I graduated there with my BFA and with a concentration in motion graphics. And when I graduated in 2010, now mind you, I graduated high school in 97. Oh, that's the year I was born. I'm old. Um, oh, 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 that hurts. <laughs> Not to make you feel bad or anything. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> so as someone who graduated high school in 97, now, and, and I finally graduated college in 2010, and I was ready to go out into the work world with a, as a graphic designer, I was so far from where I was, from where yeah. I wanted to be and from where I thought I was going to be. And in 2010, we weren't even in the, the band wasn't even around anymore. It just like life changed. I, you know, I was going to right. school, my bandmates were doing school and, and things just changed. But I, I will never forget that the whole point of this, the whole point of this is number one, it's never too late to start. It's never too yes. late to, to find a thing that makes you the happiest and do it. And sometimes you know it from the day you're born. And sometimes you learn the hard way by living life. But the one thing I realized is that I was born to be a designer. And if I listened to myself, if I listened to my heart, I would not have gone to five, four, four colleges to figure that out. Right. And I, I would have done that from the very beginning. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change my experiences. I wouldn't, everything happens for a reason. 
everything happens for a reason. I, I firmly believe that. You might not like it. You might not agree with it. You might not be happy with it, but everything happens right. for a reason. And if it wasn't for this crazy arc that I had in my life, I don't, I honestly, truly don't think I would be where I am right now. And I'm happy where I am right now. Very happy. That's how I really feel too. So we grew up and it's kind of funny that you use the example as a pilot because our dad is a pilot and from the moment he was little, he knew he wanted to be a pilot. And so I always kind of felt bad that I didn't have that same drive. There is not something when I graduated high school and went into college that I was like, oh yes, this is my passion. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so I went to school for finance and because I was just good at math and I was like, oh, this will work out. I'll go to school for finance. It'll be really stable. Like this is exactly mm. what's going to work out for my life. And then I realized, oh, I actually don't like this. I don't like this at all. This is so boring. <laughs> so that's when like about, oh, it's about like two years ago now, maybe I started changing like what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And so now I'm teaching right now. I teach high school English. Um, during the day. And then I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be the end either. I have all these other ideas, all these thoughts. And I feel like I'm creative, but maybe not in the same way as you. Like I have these ideas and dreams that I want to put into motion, but maybe not necessarily in the same, like, I don't think I could design something beautiful that should be put on an ad. But I, I felt like I need to keep doing more because I have more to give. And so I'm still... I don't know if I'm quite there, like you have found the thing and I'm not sure if I've found it yet, but I'm really enjoying the journey that I'm kind of on, like as cliched as that sounds. I'm just enjoying it because I feel like I'm getting closer. Just know, and you probably know this, creativity does not mean being able to pick up a pencil and paper and draw something. Yeah. That's, right. not, that's not creativity. That is an outlet for the person who's creative. But right. that does not make you, that does not, that, that's, that does not define creativity. So because you can't draw or because you can't design a logo does not mean you're not creative. So don't. Right. We don't just all that. have to kind of find our different way that we can kind of find our own outlet, I guess, mm -hmm. of what works for us. And Isabel, I don't know if you, you, you didn't really have anything super strongly. I mean, you enjoy your job, but when you were growing up, you didn't have anything. No, I changed my ideas like every few years. I wanted to be an entomologist. I wanted to be uh, a pilot for a while. I started college for psychology, dropped out because college was not my thing. Joined the military, <laughs> found air traffic control, which I really love doing that now. And now I'm going back for my degree, but it's taken me a while to get to that point. <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned military. <laughs> I left that out. Uh, I was I was all geared primed and ready to go into the air force so. oh man that's what i'm in i'm in the air force <laughs> i i was i was in the i was in the jrotc program in high school and i went to school specifically um f that had an rotc program that continued and after my first year i was like what am i doing <laughs> i was like this is this this was this was fun in high school not fun anymore <laughs> yes <laughs> this isn't what i want to do forever <laughs> it would have helped me again, but that was all, that was a part of the path of being, uh, you know, it, it be, becoming a police officer too. I would have, uh, you know, I think it would have been a, a higher, um, higher rank than just, you know, if I if I would just went to um, the academy and came out. So it was it was a right. it, was, it was all part of the master plan. It was, yeah, master. Yeah, I have one of those. I had one of those master plans, mm -hmm. and now it seems to be changing. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of learning to accept that that's what it's going to be. And I'm sure as the older I get, the more things will change. But 
I I love that though that you went back and that you kept searching for it to find what was going to work for you and what was going to make you happy because I always get so upset when it seems like people get stuck in these jobs that they just hate and it seems like it's tearing apart their you know entire life and they fall into these depressions and I think it's really really important to strive to find the thing that's going to make you happy. Absolutely. And you know if if nothing else from this entire pandemic that we're going through and, and I, I don't want to harp on, on on that too much is you know there's a lot there's right. a lot of negative that's associated with that right now and and this is we're supposed to be talking about positivity and and, and talking about happy things but what I, what I will say is that I think at least I hope that during this time that people are home uh, working from home reflecting God forbid you were somebody who lost a job it's, it's right. almost like a, a really good reset button for a lot of people and it mm-hmm. gives people a really good I don't want to say excuse. I, I think it gives people a really good reason to get back to the things that they loved, to get back to the things, finding what it is that makes you happy and not just do a job for the sake of doing a job. Right. It's kind of putting this pause. And, you know, as long as, like you said, hopefully you weren't somebody that lost your job. But if it's kind of putting this pause and you're allowing yourself to look at, okay, is this what I've been doing day in and day out? Is that what I want to continue to do day in and day mm-hmm. out going forward? And so, yeah, I completely agree with that. So after you got your um, degree in design and you started doing that, did you know right away that you wanted to put it towards marketing and brand management? Nope. Was that kind of the goal? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope, that evolved. And, and and it's not exactly something you learn uh, in traditional design school, right? So you, you don't, you learn about design. 100%. That's what if you're going to design school, you will learn how to design. But what they don't often teach you is about the business side of things, the business of design. And I think a lot right. a lot of that, a lot of times designers in general, just don't, you know, it's might not be something that interests them, it might not be something that they even care about, they just say, Okay, I'm a logo designer, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna design logos for whoever, whoever the case may be. And after doing this for, um, for about 10 years now, uh, professionally, I wanted to not that I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to, I wanted to do more than just make logos uh, while still doing that. You know, I can still service my, my clients by creating a logo for them or a website or whatever the case may be. But I really wanted to get into the, uh, I wanted to learn more of the, the strategic side of a business, serving clients and customers in a way that a normal designer doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily able to, to, to do. And so that kind of changed over time. When I graduated, I got very lucky. I got very lucky. I, I mean, this was 2010. So this was just two years, two short years after like the whole collapse of the economy that happened. And I, I was, I got a job right from at the end of the year, the school has a portfolio show. And from that show, I was hired right then and there. So two weeks after graduation, I started working, which was phenomenal. Like, so many of my friends that graduated school, they did not have that luxury. They did not, they, they, it just didn't happen. I got very lucky. So I started in broadcast. I, w- I was in television uh, because that was the, the, the offer that came to me. And I said, yes, I'm taking it. Cause I knew I, I, I was still in pharmaceutical at the time. I was still in pharmacy. So I was working in, a, I was working for, for a television station, one of the largest in the country. And yet I was still moonlighting in a pharmacy. I just, I, it, I, maybe because I needed the money. I don't know. It's not like I, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to stay in pharmaceuticals, but I think it was just a means to an end for me. It was just, it was just a way to get you to your next point. It was a way for me to shut Sally May up 
for the month, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> I think that's really what it was. Yeah. So then you started working for radio, you said? Was no, your TV. first like actual design or TV, sorry. Mm -hmm. So TV was your first actual design job? Uh, well, okay. No, it wasn't my first actual design job. It was my first um, my first place of employment. Okay. Okay. Because while I was in design school, I did have freelance jobs. I had a couple of you know clients. I came and I, I would do motion graphics for them, or um, I did CD covers and like um, DVD covers for some people. Mm -hmm. But again, that was while I was in design school, so I was learning. But I was like, I could do this for you, and you know, right. I was making some money on the side. But my first right. place of employment, my first design employment job, was for a company called Tribune, and they have. 50 television stations across the country. Uh, and I was working at the flagship station, which is uh, PIX11 in New York. But we had WG in America in, in Chicago, uh, GN9 in Chicago, KTLA in Los Angeles, uh, DCW in, in DC, SFL in Florida. So I mean, there was a ton of uh, stations that we, we serviced that we helped out. Was, was it a big corporate feel because it was such a big company? When I walked into the doors of the studio, if you'll call it like the, the creative space, no. Right. Okay. My boss, his name was John Ziegler. Uh, he's to this day, he's still a great friend and a mentor of mine. He did not want that corporate mentality or that corporate feel, even though we worked for a corporate company. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as soon as you leave those doors and you went into like the sales area, went to the news area, it was very corporate-y. Right. But when you walked into the doors of studio, it's like everybody would come there and it's like, cause they wanted that change. They wanted that breath of fresh air. They wanted to be in a creative space. It didn't feel like it was like, it, it, he built it to be kind of like an agency, like an in-house agency. And it felt like that. And, and it was, and it was great. So I had the benefit of working for a corporate company in a non-corporate setting. That's really cool. Did you have any um, big projects while you were there Ooh. that are kind of like the your favorite, maybe your favorite project? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the projects that I worked on while I was at Tribune is where I won a lot of my awards. Um, because I was in the television space, we could submit for things like Emmys. So I, I have several Emmy awards for works that I've done throughout the years. And that includes rebranding of the stations, you know, some of the stations that were under the Tribune banner. Um, I worked on a Yankee Seinfeld spot that won uh, awards. So there, there was, there was a ton of stuff that, um, you know, I was there from 2010 till 2016 or so. So I was mm -hmm. there for a good six years. And I remember the very first project that I worked on, it, it took me probably the longest because again, it was when I was right out of school, I was still learning the ways of how to work broadcast. Um, and it was my first real big project. It was the, the Simpsons were coming to PIX11. So PIX11 oh. picked up the syndication to uh, air the Simpsons. So yeah. we wanted to do some spots to announce The Simpsons now on PIX11. So I drew all of these sets and scenes that looked like The Simpsons and we had a voiceover artist who sounded just like Homer. Mm -hmm. So he read all of these lines and I made all these animations to it. It was like Homer sitting on, you know, in his, in his living room, like changing the channel going, no, no, no. And then he finally gets the PIX11, which had The Simpsons. And he's like, yeah, this is what I wanna watch. And after it started running, we got to cease and desist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so uh, I'll never forget it. My, my, um, my boss, John Ziegler at the time, he, he said, don't worry about it. When you get a cease and desist, it means you're doing something right. And I think it was only like the second time he got a cease and desist. 
So I spent so long, so many man hours working on that spot, making it look as authentic as I could to, to, to the Simpsons. It literally looked like a Simpsons episode and then they yanked it off the air. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That's really, really unfortunate. I'm so surprised. Cause I figured they would want to, you know, promote the fact that they're going to be on this new station too, but I guess they're so big. Maybe they just didn't really care. Yeah. It was the likeness, you know, it was like, because it wasn't sanctioned by them. It wasn't anything that right. they did. They didn't, they didn't give us the okay to do it. Um, I think we tried to, we tried to use the, you know, we tried to get around it by saying it was a parody, but right. it was too close. It was just too close. It was, it was way too close. And they're you like, did no, too good of a job. Way too good. Way too good. Hence the cease and desist. Because <laughs> that shows favorite. That shows favoritism. You know. So like, if, right. if if um if it wasn't if it wasn't authorized by them, Pix Eleven wasn't the only station that was syndicating the the Simpsons. Um, so they didn't want to show, I guess, that there was any favoritism for a station, a particular station that aired it. Is that's right. what I'm. That's what I would guess. Yeah, I, I suppose that makes sense. So then after you did TV, what was what was kind of the next step? Is that the transition to the company that you're at now? So that was the transition to where I am today, my nine to five job, which is um, I'm the creative director for a digital media company called Captivate. And uh, Captivate is it's one of the largest digital media companies um, in the in the office space. There's about Oh, I want to say it's like 1,200 buildings uh, across North America. If you get inside an elevator in one of our buildings, if you get inside an elevator, there's there's a screen that lives on the inside of the elevator, and that screen shows things like news, weather, uh, information. There's some ads. There's some time and temperature. Um, those screens are Captivate screens. So we we reach a very very high uh, traffic audience, right? Because if you think about it, when you're in an elevator in an office building. You're, you're staring at the screen multiple times a day because it's it's interesting. It's better than just getting into an awkward elevator with people standing around you. Some people looking at the phone, some people looking at the ceiling. It's just right. you know, elevators are awkward. Uh, so this kind of breaks up that that awkwardness. So it kind of gives you something to do. Yeah, it's something to do. So what I do is uh, um, I help our clients uh, build ads for the Captivate screens as well as building out projects and, you know, internal assignments for Captivate itself. So did any of your experience, I mean, I'm sure it did, but like, how does that translate? Because obviously with TV, you had all that creativity, you could do so much. And then you're moving to this environment where you are kind of limited, right? Because you have this screen, it's got to fit on the screen. It also has to be something, I'm assuming maybe a little bit shorter to kind of get somebody's attention within the elevator ride. So that changes things, right? Yeah, that's a as a perfect breakdown of some of the situational issues that I had to deal with. Right. The time factor, 100%, is, is it's really difficult to kind of tell a story. Our, all of the ads on Captivate, large majority of the ads on Captivate are 15 seconds. We can run 30-second ads, but a large portion of them are 15 seconds. Biggest difference between doing something for television and doing something for the Captivate screens is the Captivate screens are a soundless environment. Most digital at a home is soundless. So you need to be able to tell a story. You need to be able to uh, capture somebody's attention. You have to give off a certain emotion depending on the ad. You have to do all of that with no soundtrack and no voiceover. And it's just pure visuals. And that's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. It's taking away a lot of the different mediums that you could have used before. And so you really have to make sure that whatever you're doing is a very visual experience because that's all you're getting. Put on any movie trailer and turn off the sound. 
and tell me what happens. Now, there might be some cool explosions and some, you know, your favorite superhero. But if you choose a movie that you have no idea what it is about, let's just go for any basic movie and you have no sound on it and you watch a trailer. It's hard. It would be a hard thing to convey what it is. Now, of course, that's a really bad example because trailers are cut in such a way that, you know, gets you excited about the movie and has some voiceover and, you know, really cool music and sound effects. But, but you have to do that. If you, th- if you think about it, if you're, if you're Google or if you're Amazon or even if you're a mom and pop shop in the, in, the, in the building, you know, in the first level of a building that sells coffee, putting together a story in 15 seconds that will get your, hopefully, your potential clients to come and buy with you or shop with you or get coffee here instead of somewhere else. It's very, it it takes a lot of work. It really does. Yeah, I believe it. Just now kind of dipping our toes into what it means to market and kind of put yourself out there, trying to grow our Instagram and everything for this podcast. There's so much that goes into it. You have to learn so much. And then I'm always worried, you know, I don't want to be bothering people or putting things out there that like annoy them or I guess... I don't know, just in their face too much about it or sound too like quote unquote salesy. So it's, it's, it's a, yeah, Yeah. it's a struggle. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's, it's not easy. Uh, I think everybody is so tired of trying to be sold to. It makes it very difficult. Right. Uh, And people are on guard. People are aware of that, right? They, you know, they can smell it. They can smell a sales pitch. They can smell something that is not right, but you still have to try. You still have to do it. You still have to grow your business, but you have to do it in a way that's more more conversational. You have to do it in a way that's more, you know, like you're like you you can relate your friend of theirs, uh, you know, not so salesy, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's tough to do. And Isabel and I kind of like split it up. I took the Instagram, she took the Facebook. We were trying to because they're they're different platforms, mm-hmm. and so we were trying to learn the differences between the different platforms and totally go that different. way. Even though it's the same, even though it's the same company, uh, you know, because Instagram is is, is was bought out and is owned by Facebook. The audiences are very different. Right. The the capabilities are different. Right. Uh, the the messaging that you want to put out on both platforms is very different. So finding finding what works, and 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 the both of you have it. I, I want to say better than some because you're you're tackling it. You know you're 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 breaking it up and you're tag teaming and you're working together on it. Right. Some people are. Some people don't have that luxury and are doing it all themselves. It's a full-time job. Any, I mean, as you guys know, it is a full-time job to try to grow your audience. It's not easy. And, and, and things, you know, it changes so much. And people talk about the, the algorithm and, and this hack and that hack and doing this and doing that. And yeah, but at the end of the day, if you have 50,000 people that are following you, there's a very small percentage of those people that are there because they want to be there to learn more about you. Right, 100%. There's a lot of this like, like for like or just following me because I'm following you. So you still have to do that to grow an audience, but you still have to make content that appeals to the people that are following you, the people that that want to know that content that you're putting out, that want to be there, but hopefully also to gain new followers, right? By putting out content that's relevant or valuable to them. And then it's a whole game of trying to find the right hashtags and finding the right people and really finding your niche so that people can come to you and you're seen as a, you know, as, as, as somebody of authority in that, in that space. It's not easy. Right. And then that's outside of actually creating your content, whether it's a podcast or a blog or whatever it is that you're promoting. So it is like having, you started it because you were really excited to do this podcast or whatever you're doing. And now you're like, oh, now I have to learn this whole other side of things just so that way people can hopefully find my podcast. 
I found you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing something right. Maybe. You guys, you guys are doing something right. <laughs> I found you. Yeah. It's just, I, I mean, that's how, that's, that's, that's how I, that's how I came across you. I think it's just like was, a slow progress. Yeah. It's just like a slow progress. I think it is. it's, and you sometimes you have you to see, be patient. Right. And sometimes you see those accounts that shoot up really quickly and it can be a bit discouraging. But I think a lot of the times that's just it's just not the norm. That's more an out of the blue situation. So you kind of just got to keep yeah. chugging along. It's like, it's like anything else. I mean, if you if you put out a piece of content that somebody picks up and it happens to just go viral, you get very lucky. But it doesn't it doesn't happen that often. Right. I mean, most most of us have to really grind to get this uh, to get this ball rolling. Once you get it there, though. Yeah. You'll find that it moves moves quicker, but you once you I, I find that it's 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 when you break your first a thousand, yeah. right? When you get that first thousand, yeah. it it your the next thousand is much quicker and quicker and quicker, and then it, and then it just snowballs because now your 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 web is expanded so much that it just you, you'll see it grow so fast. It's getting there is the hardest part, and you can't give up. If that's what you want to do, you can't give up. The first the first hundred followers, I got so excited. I, I was texting Isabel after we got our first hundred followers and I was like, oh, look, I know it's like such a small number, but it was so exciting. I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's one, 100, 1000. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you are passionate about what you do and you want to see growth. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. If you're seeing growth, that is reward. That should be a, you know, you can't say, oh, but it's not, you know, a hundred thousand or, or, you know, so-and-so's accounts got 10,000 people. It doesn't matter. It's right. like you, you will get there. You will get there. You just got to keep working, keep at working it. at it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, it's the small victories along the way. And for those hundred people that follow you, yeah, you're darn right. You're happy that those people are following you and you're excited about it because that's hundred more than you had when you started. Exactly. And you, and, just just remember that remember that these people are following you a majority of them are following you hopefully because they found value in what it is that you're doing they like your personality they like your pictures they like your content whatever the case may be so you're doing something right and you will grow from there and you'll learn from it and is that so outside of your nine to five job then is that something that you help your clients with is social media or is it more than just social media what exactly do you help your clients with so it's more than just social media so i've kind of transitioned from doing a lot of the work you know a lot of the the design work that i do um i do it because i i well one of two reasons one i think it's a really great project that i want to help or two the budget's there and, and i help that way right. but i've started to i've started to change probably about mm. you know three years ago i started changing the direction not so much the passion because i'm still a creative person and i'm still doing this uh i changed directions a little and started to do more of the strategic work what i wanted to do was start to start to help my clients provide a service to my clients that was more than just making pretty things mm -hmm. okay i wanted to i really wanted to help my clients find their clients and help them grow and so for what, right now what i'm doing is it's i'm kind of I'm kind of helping like the underdogs or the challenger brands strategically grow their audience. And the way I do that is by running uh, like a discovery session or brand strategy session. It's usually like a two day session mm -hmm. and we do really deep dives into their client base. So like their, their primary customer, their secondary customer, and most importantly, their growth customer. And what we do is over the course of two days, we do really deep dives into the, the psychographics and the demographics of their audience 
to truly understand their client, their, their clients, like my clients' clients, the people that they're selling their goods and services to, we want to truly understand what their needs are so that we can better service them. So we can, we can, we can target them properly. We can speak to them in a way that they can relate to. And what, what, what my clients find is that when we do that, first of all, their return on investment goes through the roof. So the time and money that they've spent with me, they see that really quickly because now they're changing their strategy on how to grow their audience or grow their clientele because they're doing it in a way that is strategic, that's planned out, uh, and that speaks to their audience so that their audience can relate. And it's like, okay, this makes sense to me. This is giving me value. This is important to me. And, and it's finding that why. It's finding the, the, the customer's why, why they're making a purchase, why they're choosing something is really, really important. And you can't do that unless you, unless you do a really good strategy session. You can hire me to do a logo all day long. You can hire me to make a website all the time. But if there's no intention behind that, if there's no content or meaning behind it, then it's just a pretty picture. There's no, it, it, it won't serve a purpose. It'll serve me a purpose because I made a cool looking logo or hey, my logo looks cool. But if you're trying to get somebody to take action, mm -hmm. a logo is not going to do that. Right now, there has to be something more behind it. And so kind of what you're doing is really breaking down somebody's business into the smallest parts to really see what the core message is or the core product or the core um, idea behind it to kind of pinpoint exactly who their real customers or clients are going to be. A lot of times... They'll come to me and they say, I need a logo. And at the end of those two days that we have with them, there is a giant roadmap. Sometimes the logo is on there, but a majority of the time they find really, really quickly that what they thought they needed and what they actually needed are two totally different things. And the clients will then say, you know, you I could have just hired you to do this logo. You could have done this logo for me. And I said, I know I, could, I would have happily taken your money. No problem. <laughs> but it would be a giant disservice to you if that's all I did. If I didn't help you grow, if I didn't help your company, then what, what's the point? What good is it? I'm, I, I don't want to do, I'm not, I'm not here to do that. I, I don't, I'm at the, I'm at the point in my career now where I've, I've won awards. I've done a, a lot of great things in my career, but now I'm looking to be fulfilled in a different way. I'm looking to help as much as I can. I'm looking to help other people as much as I can. No, I completely understand that fulfillment. That's that's the type of fulfillment I feel when I'm teaching. It's like when you're helping other people and you see them grow and you see them understand more and are successful, it feels really good. So I completely understand that. I, I didn't mention this, but I taught also. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> When I graduated, when I graduated from the School of Visual Arts, uh, right after I graduated, the head of the motion graphic department, uh, he came to me and he said, you're not going anywhere. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you're coming back and you're teaching. And I went, okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> so I taught motion graphics at the School of Visual Arts. And then I started a course um, with, with, a, uh, with a coworker of mine. We started a, a senior portfolio uh, class. So... I was working for PIX11, for Tribune. I was teaching motion graphics and then a senior portfolio class, and I was still working in a hospital. Woo, you are all over the place. <laughs> but now you've, got it, now you've got it zeroed in. Now, now you know exactly what it is that you're working on. So that's awesome, too. I, it, it took me a long time, but I, I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at. 
That's great. And again, I don't, I truly honestly believe that none of that would have happened if I didn't, if I didn't take on, if I didn't embark on the journey that was put in front of me, I truly do not think I would be where I am. It's, it's just, it's, it's not possible. I can go back and retrace my steps and say, okay, this happened because I did this, or this happened because I chose this way. And I can follow that all the way back to, to when I was a kid. And that's life. That's the journey. That's the beauty. That's a beautiful part of, 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 of having free will and making choices. Right. And sometimes you choose right. Uh, sometimes you choose wrong. And sometimes you choose right, but it takes you a really long time. Yes. You just got to keep at it. Yes. That's what it is. You just, you can't, you, you can't give up just because you think you are, look, I'm 40 years old, okay? And I know that um, where I am today, I probably could have gotten here a lot faster, but I didn't stop. And, it, and, I, and I kept going and it took me this long to get here, but I'm, but I'm okay with that. And, and I, I, wouldn't have cha- I wouldn't have changed it. I really wouldn't have. Maybe a little quicker. I mean, right, I would have changed the fact that I probably walked out of you know, four universities with as much loans as like a doctor, like people are like, are you, why are, you're not, you're not doing brain surgery. You're just, you're just making pretty pictures. Um, you're like, yes, that's probably, yes, I am. <laughs> you're darn right. You're d- and they're um, really, really pretty. So <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's I, so I, true I, though. Like I just, I love that. It's so inspiring. And I feel like so many people out there can really, just relate to it and connect to it because I think it happens to everyone. I think there's very few people out there who find that thing from a very young age, start doing it, and it just works out. I think most people kind of get there in a roundabout way. So it's good to hear from other people like that and you just feel less like you're failing at life or something because you're obviously not failing yeah. at life, you know? You can't ever feel like that or think like that. And it's it's unfortunate. A lot of people do. But yeah, it's it's not it's not something that you you can th- look. You can think about it. You can have it in your head, but it shouldn't be your sole reason for stopping something right. because you don't think that you don't you, you can't say to yourself, oh, I, you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm not where I'm supposed to be, or I'm in my 40s. I mean, there are plenty of people who change their careers in their 50s and their 60s and they change and they and they're super happy about it. So I mean, that's a part of life is 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 to never stop learning and never stop growing. And you shouldn't. And I and I try not to do that. I try to read as much as I can. I try to to learn as much as I can. And I, I I'll do that until the day I die. I'd like to think that anyway. But that's that's part of the reason why I'm here. So outside of never giving up, is there one tip or strategy that you could give somebody that's kind of starting off and wants to figure out how best to go about growing a new business? Yeah, I, uh, never stop learning, and always do more always do more. Whether it's more for your client, whether it's more for yourself, whether it's more for your family, whether it's more for your neighbors, just do more. The more you do, the more fulfillment you'll feel, you'll have in your, you're just, you feel good about it. But it also shows people that's the kind of person that I want to be around. That's the kind of person I want to be like. And if enough people do that, then there will be more people and, and, and more success stories that you'll hear about because, you know, I, you don't want to just rest on your laurels and just get by in life. Right. Some people might, some people might want to do that and, and that's perfectly fine. It's perfectly okay to do that if that's how you feel, but just know that there's always somebody who is 
hustling more than you mm -hmm. and always somebody who is doing less than you. Mm -hmm. Don't ever feel like you're a failure, you're not doing enough because there's always somebody on above or below you. I love that. I love that. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can kind of find you at, whether they want your yes. services or whatever? Absolutely. Uh, you can go to my, uh, you can check me out on the, on the interwebs. It's just jdgargano.com and it's jdgargano.com. Um, CuriousFrog underscore designs is my Instagram and Twitter is I have JDD. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's good. That's a good Twitter handle. In case you couldn't tell. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode. I think we learned a lot from JD. He was a great guest. I'm super excited about it. Go check out his page. I think you'll find really good content there. And go ahead and head over to Live Potentially on Instagram and Facebook and our website. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.